Hello, welcome, and thanks for listening to the Pip Permaculture Magazine podcast. This time around, we delve deeper into one of the articles in our latest issue on the topic of quails. Editor Robin Rosenfeld chats to Kat Lavers, quail enthusiast and backyard farmer. We hope you enjoy. Today we're talking with Kat Lavers, permaculture designer and teacher, passionate backyard grower and advocate for keeping quails. Thanks a lot for coming in today. So to start with, can you describe to me what quails are and what they look like and what sort of quails it is? they are that you keep? I'm sure Robin thanks for having me um so quails are a it's actually a name that refers to a few different genera but the ones that I keep are Catanix japonica or Japanese quail and um, this is a small bird it's about the size of a pigeon with a much shorter tail and uh, you know the colorings can actually change depending on breeding um, but mine are mostly uh, variations of brown and tan colors. Okay, great. So um, we see quails, are they can be an alternative to a backyard chicken, is that correct? Yeah, I, I definitely think they're an alternative. I wouldn't go as far as saying that they're preferable or better, but it really just depends on your circumstances and, um, and your, you know, design goals. And there's a couple of things that might make quails a better choice than chickens in some circumstances. Uh, one of those might be noise, for example. So if you've kept a chicken before, you'll know that, of course, roosters make a lot of noise, but even hens, especially when they've laid an egg, also want to tell the whole world and your neighbours about it. Uh, it can be pretty noisy, really, for people who aren't into um, the, the clucking and, and goings-on of chickens. Where yeah. with quails, you'll actually find that my quails sound a lot more like frogs most of the time, very oh, okay. gentle noises. And um, my quail rooster, uh, although he, he does crow, it tends to be very much softer than a normal chook rooster, um, m- mostly unlikely to annoy any neighbours if they can even work out what it is that's making noise. <laughs> uh, so noise is one factor. Of course, space is another. The um, space that you can quite comfortably and ethically keep quail in is uh, very much smaller than even bantam breeds of uh, chooks. And um, so in my research um Obviously, there's people keeping them in more battery hen cramped conditions, so we don't want to go there. But the people who keep quail and think carefully about the ethics of it go as far as saying um, about two square feet per quail is enough space for them, which I think in my translations in Australia works out in metric to be about five quail per square metre, absolute maximum stocking rate. Um, right. Now, I do want to say I give my quail more than double that space because it's possible to. Uh, yep. And also there might be some factors which make um, Australia require slightly more space. Um, Meg Miller, who's um, poultry royalty, knows an enormous amount about all kinds of poultry, was saying to me recently that we actually have more light in Australia and light can bring out aggressive qualities in um, quail. Okay. Uh, birds so we might want to be giving them a little bit more space than that but still when you think about that it's um it's very much smaller space than chickens and um i'm finding at least in melbourne obviously our our back gardens are starting to get smaller over time 
but people are caring more about provenance and um, the ethics of where their food and where their eggs come from, um, which makes quail a great choice in that um, in that situation. And um, the final reason and really what pushed me towards getting quail is uh, the issue of soil contamination and specifically lead in soil uh, is unfortunately quite a common issue in um, cities and even regional towns, anywhere humans have settled basically because of a legacy of things like lead paint and leaded petrol and other industrial uses of it. And um, it's... Uh, it doesn't mean that we can't produce food, but it means we have to think carefully about the design. Um, and so, again, with being able to keep quail in a small space, I'm able to keep my quail on an area which has concrete underneath, then a layer of um, wood chips or, or deep litter that we'll talk about later, and actually um, with a covered roof as well because I also have some paint flaking off my neighbour's roof, um, which would otherwise be recontaminating anything I do below. Uh, so quails for me were really a design adaption to um, all of those urban, very urban constraints, mm. noise and space and soil contamination. Right. Okay, that sounds good. Um, and so as part of a backyard permaculture system or any backyard setup, what role can they play? Yeah, well, in many ways they replace um, chickens in, I suppose, the functions of egg laying, um, meat production if you're interested in that, mm-hmm. um, manure, of course, and pest control. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> and do, are they as efficient in all those things as... Uh, chickens like how do they compare with Mm. the outputs of eggs and the amount of manure they produce and things like that yeah okay so well for egg laying they're incredible egg layers and I guess this was a big surprise for me I'd always obviously known that quail lay eggs and that people somewhere eat them but I just didn't quite realize how prolific they are and my hens will lay um, almost without fail an egg a day uh, which is better than most, um, except that, you know, the very, um, I suppose, factory bred chickens for, for those enterprises. Um, so the egg laying is just phenomenal. Uh, manure, you know, I've never followed my quail around with a bag to, <laughs> to check how much manure they put out, but yet they seem to be pretty good poopers as well. So I doubt that there would be um, much difference weight for weight between uh, quail and chickens. Yeah. So how many quails do you keep? Uh, in my area, the limit is uh, 10 quail without a permit, so I tend to stay around that level. Um, obviously, I'm raising chicks and, you know, occasionally we have injuries or I need to cull one for a reason. So, yeah, it hovers around the 10 level. Okay. And with the um, the males, do you need, like with chickens in some areas, you you're not allowed to keep them in urban areas? Is that a problem with quail? Well, what our council says is that no no roosters in uh, the municipality. Um, however, I take that as referring to chicken roosters. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, given, given that they're just uh, so much more quiet than a chook rooster, I'm just inclined to um, technically ignore that one. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I keep a male and... Um, yeah, you'd be very hard-pressed to tell that I've got quail from the neighbouring block. Mm. Mm. And what about the difference in size if you're eating them for meat? How do they – do you have any 
Mm. Are they big enough to be worthwhile to eat? Or Oh, yeah, they certainly are. And look, quail are, a, you know, they're considered a delicacy. They're a gorgeous and mm. um, so... Um, the flavour is richer and gamier and um, that for many people makes them um, more than worthwhile in that mm. I was actually a vegetarian for many years and I've um, come to have a sort of more nuanced view of um, diet and of eating meat, um, but I'm certainly not a big meat eater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so while I, I do occasionally eat my quail, it's, um, I suppose I'm the wrong person to ask about how delicious they are or so. Yeah. For me, more about just making the absolute best use of um, the animal in their life and really honouring the bird whenever I do need to take one out of my flock. So how do you normally eat them or prepare them? Um, when I have prepared them, mostly I've actually just put them in a stock pot. Um, again, you know, part of my ethics is actually extracting the most nutrient value and, and using every part of the animal that I possibly can. And stock is actually by far the easiest way to do that. Um, there's a lot of small bones in quail and, you know, you have to be pretty dedicated to, yeah. <laughs> to um, chew through all of those. Whereas in stock, um, yeah, it's very, very easy and, and you're extracting all the nutrients from the bone um, and some of the cartilage and things as well, as, as well as the organ meats. Now with chickens, they can either be a total blessing in the garden using their, you know, scratching abilities and foraging abilities. and But they can also be a nightmare when they get into your veggie garden and you've just planted it out and everything gets ripped up. How would how does the quail compare with that? How do they go with scratching in the garden? Um, sure. Well, same, same, but different, I guess. And um, so quail, unfortunately, they will eat your greens as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not quite so quickly as, as the chook. Uh, what I have noticed is that quail seem to have a pretty strong hierarchy of foods that they go for. And so, for example, if I'm in their run and I throw down some greens, a lot of the hens will run over and start pecking away. But if I then go and uh, scoop up some of their litter and expose some worms or some insects, most of them will leave those greens and go straight for the insects. So um, when you put them in a veggie patch type situation, if you've got a lot of pests and insects in there, I think they're, li- they're likely to go for those first and then go back to your greens. But mm. it's, you probably don't want to leave them unsupervised around your veggies. No. <laughs> and what about scratching? Like, Do they dig things up in the same way? That they will, but they're much smaller and lighter birds. So they're definitely not going to dig as much as um, chooks, which could be a strength or um, a disadvantage depending mm. on if that's what you want. Um, so, but they, they will tend to lightly cultivate the top five to 10 centimetres or so. Okay. One other point about uh, chickens and quails in a garden setting is um, many people will let their chooks out to free range. Um, yeah. Maybe not such a good idea, although I know some people who do it. Quail are very much more vulnerable than even bantam hens to predators. Mm. Uh, cats and dogs will certainly go for them. And, um, of course, there's foxes in urban areas which will certainly go for them uh, if left unprotected and at night. Um, quail as well, if they get a fright, um, mostly they're ground-dwelling birds that never really want to leave the ground. 
But if they do get disturbed, the, the get out of jail free card is to launch themselves dramatically up into the air. Yeah, right. At least two metres, possibly higher. Um, once they're there, they're not very good at steering or landing, um, but they do uh, have a, a real zest for taking off and um, that will quite comfortably clear a backyard fence. Uh, right. So it's probably a good idea to be keeping them in some kind of uh, chook tractor or quail tractor in this case just to okay. they're safe and they don't accidentally end up on the wrong side of the fence. So quail tractors would be a good backyard alternative to having a big chicken tractor yeah that's right and they can be smaller and lighter and more maneuverable um, especially for small gardens i haven't built one myself yet but i very much intend to and i've seen some great pictures of them on the internet right and do you let them do they go around your garden or do they sort of stay in there yeah, mine are pretty much permanently in the aviary. It's a very generous aviary. And um, even when I leave the door open a lot of the time when I'm working in there, they rarely hesitate to walk out. Yeah. <laughs> they mostly stay in there because all the interesting things are under the litter and um, in the greens that I throw them. And <laughs> there's plenty to do in the aviary. Uh, so I will use mine eventually, rotating them through my veggie patch and a quail tractor. But for now, they're just in the aviary. Yeah. So can you describe the aviary or well, what you've got and then what kind of, what things people could think about if they wanted to set one up for themselves? Yeah, sure. So I love keeping mine in an aviary that I can actually walk into. Uh, many people will just keep them in uh, low cages. Um, but the aviary is actually just, I suppose, lovely because I can go in there with them and it makes it really easy to um, reach everything and manage everything and collect eggs and so on. Uh this is actually a pergola that we've retrofitted as an aviary, so it wasn't initially built to be a quail aviary, but just by containing the sides, um, it's worked out beautifully. And uh, I'm just trying to describe it for you. There's a wine barrel in there with a choco that's growing up that uh, covers some of the roof for a bit of shelter. I found that they love the choco greens. Um, they love the choco um, vegetables as well. If I cut them in half, they'll peck them out. Um, so when I get sick of chocos, it's going to be great yeah, use for those <laughs> excess chocos. For the quail. Um, one of the features, I guess, is the deep litter system that I've got on the ground that I mentioned before. And mm. just in case people aren't aware of what deep litter is, it's basically a layer of um, carbon materials, which could be, or in my case, it's wood chips, but it could be things like uh, wood shavings or even shredded paper or newspaper or cardboard. Um, some people use a bit of straw, but it's not quite as absorbent. Um, so I use that for the entire bedding. Anyway, just some very carbon-rich materials. And, um, of course, the quails will poop into it and um, scratch it lightly. It'll get a little bit wet from their water. And um, basically it's like building a compost pile on the ground. And over time it'll break down into the most lovely, rich, dark, um, earthy-smelling compost that can then be shoveled out and used directly on the veggie patch. And Beautiful. to just be really clear about that, it means you're actually never cleaning out their run, which is taking away probably the most disgusting and mm. seeming job uh, that most people imagine is essential when you're keeping animals like uh, chickens and, and now quail. Mm. Uh, so you'd be almost crazy not to keep them on deep litter. Uh, yeah. And um, it's capturing their manure and, and really making sure that it becomes um, a valuable resource and gets recirculated. And uh, when we're talking about, you know, what's great about, 
the housing that I've given my quail, uh, as well as providing a great resource for me and minimising my time and effort. The deep litter is actually just the most um, in- incredible entertainment and stress relief for the quail. In fact, they never get stressed, so it's not even stress relief. <laughs> um, you just watch them in there, like their whole world is just looking at the ground and scratching the ground and finding things in the ground. And um, I just actually couldn't imagine keeping any animals that are, are ground-dwelling forage without some kind of litter that they can scratch around in. So for me, deep litter is a, a really ethical thing as well about the design. Mm. And it means you don't have to turn your compost and make compost heaps all the time. Exactly, although I will just um, qualify that. I do actually toss it just maybe once a week with a garden fork because okay. aren't as strong at scratching and um, you, you will find that a little bit of manure will build up if you don't give them a helping hand just occasionally to bury it. Um, but that's pretty minimal work compared to cleaning out a run uh, every other day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And does the manure of a quail have the same kind of high nitrogen content that chicken manure does? Yeah, look, I assume so. There's nothing particularly different about it um, in terms of using it or, you know, the look or the smell or anything like that. I haven't, to be honest, gone and read through any um, journal papers or anything to no. <laughs> scientific <laughs> testing on manures. Yeah, look, as far as I'm aware, you treat it just about exactly the same as chook manure. Yeah, mm. and I guess the proof is in your vegetables. Mm, They're all right. growing great and you get lots of food. Mm. So what else do we need like, to think about when keeping quail? Um, yeah, so... Well, deep litter, just as I've said, um, company, they're a very social animal and um, I certainly would never want to keep a single lonely quail. Um, If I ended up with a single lonely quail, I'd be inclined to give it away to someone else just to make sure it's not on its own. Uh, Yeah, they're they're very highly social and um, most of mine seem to just love company. Uh, They really enjoy live foods so fresh uh, greens, which can certainly include weeds from the garden uh, and insects and so on. And maybe the other thing that I've really noticed is they just have a, um, a real strong love of dust bathing, shall we say. Okay. So than any other birds that I've ever seen, they, they just want to dust bathe constantly. They'll do it several times a day. And, um, you know, I've had eight or so quail pile into... Uh, maybe a square foot container of uh, dust that I've given them. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes like a mosh pit of quail. Yeah, right. <laughs> in there. And, um, yeah, it's certainly something that they just adore. So, so do you need to sort of provide something for that or can they, if the, if the deep litter dries out enough, does that, yeah, can they do it in that? Or? Well, if the deep litter is dry enough to be dusty, then it's probably not breaking down in an ideal mm. But I do have a corner of the run which for various reasons doesn't tend to stay as moist and, yeah, they'll certainly dust bathe in there. Uh, I do tend to give mine some a bit of dry soil from my veggie patch um, topped up with a tiny bit of um, wood ash as well um, just because I've got it. Uh, and I give that to them and they certainly prefer that um, extra level of dustiness. And does that help them as well? With yeah. sort of keeping down mites. And... Yeah, dust bathing is a really, um, you know, it's a very natural activity for them. It's preventative for lice and um, mites. Um, and so far, fingers crossed, I haven't had any trouble with those. Um, mm. it's, it's a very healthy behaviour and one that you should definitely be encouraging um, for multiple reasons, yeah. 
So are there, are there any particular diseases or uh, parasites that quail tend to attract or that become a problem for quail? Um, from what I can tell, and look, I should say I haven't been keeping quail for years and years and years, but from my research, virtually all the same things that can happen to chickens can happen to quail. Um, yeah. I really focus on preventative health in my system. Uh, again, you know, giving them generous space, giving them deep litter, giving them dust baths, making sure their diet is, um, you know, as nutritionally dense and uh, rich as possible. All of that contributes to birds that are strong and happy and healthy and much um, less likely to um, attract illness uh, or injury. So that's where my emphasis lies. And I've really had very few problems when I've been keeping them. Um, but yeah, I just refer to natural chook care whenever I need some advice on health. Yeah. So with their housing, you've got an aviary. Do you need to have a little house inside that or do they perch up high or on the ground? Or Yeah, that's, that's a great point to clarify. So um, quail, at least my quail, my species of quail, don't ever seem to roost. I've had one that I saw roosting one night off the ground who looked um, deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> and, uh, didn't Thought he'd give it a go. I think he'd give it a go. have it very long. So, um, no, they actually just sit down on the ground and it's um, it's almost like musical chairs and when when uh, the dust comes, they stop. <laughs> they, they just stop where they are and sit down and that's where they'll sleep for the night. Um, pretty interesting. So I do give mine a little shelter inside the aviary, which is just um, it's an, an old garbage bin that I've cut in half. So it's a nice quiet nook. Uh, they often enjoy laying eggs in there, and um, some sometimes they'll nap in there during the day, have a little nana nap. Yeah. <laughs> some nice. of the quieter birds occasionally, you know, more introverted birds will go in there for a while. But I've actually never seen any birds sleep in there, so they definitely have a preference for sleeping out in the open, uh, which is interesting for a small and highly vulnerable bird. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you've got a nice big aviary for That's them right. That's to right. protect them. And what about feeding them? Like you've mentioned you give them greens and things like that. Do you need to give them seed or? Yeah, so certainly you do. I um, am giving mine actually a a backyard chook um, organic pellet at the moment as a base ration. And then I work as hard as I can to um, supplement that in as many ways as possible. Uh, Obviously, I feed them scraps as well from the kitchen uh, especially any you know leftover cooked grains um, like rice or things that I haven't managed to use up in leftovers um, will go to the quails. Um, any scrap uh, chopped vegetables or greens, of course, it needs to be in quite small pieces if they're going to be able to use it well or weighed down at one end so that they can pull bits off it. Um, insects, you know, one of the lovely things, of course, about having small animals is that um, what was formerly you know, an earwig apocalypse becomes like a, an earwig festival. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly you've got a earwig party that can use them. So, yeah, certainly for, for insects, um, greens, uh, often weeds in various seasons, uh, a fantastic food for quail. And yeah. finally, probably most significantly, I've been um, breeding up compost worms uh, because quail do reportedly need a bit higher protein than chickens and um, compost worms are probably one of the easiest ways that I can supplement that in a home garden setting. And um, so my final design is actually going to be 
I should never say final because permaculture designs are never final. But no. the next, next iteration of my design version, you know, 6.0 or something, yeah. is going to have worm farms in the aviary so that when I go in to um, collect eggs, I can also throw in my scraps from the kitchen into the worm farm, throw the blankets on the top of the worm farms onto the aviary floor where the quail can peck off the worms. Yeah. Um, while they're doing that, I'll check all their water and other things um, and then I can just put the worm farms back together, you know, grab the eggs and get out of there. And it's all one nice tight little routine in the same. Sounds system. good. Are there alternatives to buying seed that like, could you grow something for them or is it? Yes, you could, you could definitely grow um, grains for them. And I, I would think that things like millet and buckwheat and amaranth uh, in my climate would be fantastic choices. I'm on a 14th of an acre <laughs> in a very right. urban setting, so that's not a reality for me. No. But people with a larger space um, certainly would uh, be worth having a go at. Mm. So do you think that the um, seed to egg production ratio is better with the quail than chickens? Like the amount of food you've got to give them for the amount of eggs that you get out? I, I've definitely read a couple of articles, not the scientific journal um, heavily referenced variety, but some articles that say the feed conversion ratio for um, feed to egg output is really favourable with quail. Uh, it's difficult for me to gauge that. It's been a long time since I kept chickens and, of course, you, you know, I'd only be really giving anecdotal evidence, um, but it's certainly not bad at all uh, and it may even be better than chickens. Mm. Mm. Now, you talk about them being sociable creatures, so they can be a bit notorious, I've heard, for having problems between the males. Is that something that you've experienced? Yeah, so well, so people have told me that quails can be a bit vicious to one another full stop, and I just want to say firstly that it certainly hasn't been my experience at all when we're talking about the quail hens or the, the female quail. Um, I've introduced new quail to the flock a couple of times, um, the, the quail hens have barely um, blinked a, a quail eyelid. <laughs> so um, there's been almost no response that I can tell, certainly no, um, you know, intense working through of the pecking order, the like yeah. that you'd see in almost every chook situation. So um, it, it really just, I think, comes down to the male quails, at, at least in my experience. And um, even then I've had a couple of male quails living together for most of the year um, which after an initial obviously a little bit of hierarchy um, working out it, it did work okay for a while but I think people should be aware that um, male you know rooster quails especially around springtime and when there's more daylight they tend to become more aggressive uh, and they, they can in fact fight to the death I've read um, I certainly at the first sign of um, animosity, uh, I made sure that there was only one male in my aviary and I think that will probably stay um, the way from now on uh, just to make sure that I don't get caught out one day um, if my alpha male decides to become a little bit homicidal. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think it's important to keep a male in there amongst the females? I don't think it's important, no, and I know many people who just keep quail hens um, if you want to breed your own quail, of course, it's um, necessary. Um, the, it is quite lovely, to be honest, to watch the, the rooster 
looking after his hens and uh, of course that will vary according to the rooster that you've got um, but my alpha male Atticus um, builds nests for his ladies uh, titbits by um, picking up and dropping little bits of food and treats that he's found and calling over the quail hens um, and what a gentleman he certainly walks around um, strutting his stuff and it is just quite nice to watch. He'll also go and check on the eggs and um, occasionally defend the nest curiously from other hens who are trying to lay in it. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, another point I should mention as well is that they don't always lay in a nest and, um, in fact, you will get the eggs scattered around the aviary. Um, But if they have nesting materials, often they have quite a strong instinct to, to build a nest and put all their eggs in there and uh, they're more likely to stay clean if the eggs are in a nest so it's um, another great reason to give them a litter material that they can build nests out of and the other thing so you breed quail what's involved in that do they are they pretty self-reliant in the way they breed them uh, yeah so I've, I've bred quail um just once now as i said i haven't kept them for a, a long period yet quail the japanese quail have been bred for egg production and for meat, but but predominantly egg. And um, you've got to lose, you do lose traits over time when you focus specifically on one trait. And so a wild bird would lay a clutch of, say, 12 eggs maybe once yeah. a year and then sit on them and hatch them. And now we've got a situation with a domesticated bird where they're literally almost laying an egg every single day, except in the middle of winter. Um, and now obviously in breeding for that kind of production, um, that there's other traits that just haven't been preference. So it's very rare for a Japanese quail to go broody and sit on eggs and hatch eggs. Okay. Um, so almost every quail that you'll come across uh, of this variety has been hatched in an incubator. Um, which is not particularly difficult, I have to say, um, although there's a lot to learn about it. And um, once you start learning, gee, yeah, the details are very interesting, but a beginner could certainly hatch quail chicks uh, just with a little bit of research. Um, another interesting thing, though, is one of my quails has gone broody recently, and I have, in fact, um, met other people in Melbourne who have had a quail sit on eggs and hatch chicks Successfully, so somewhere in the line in in the genetics, there still is an instinct there somewhere. And for me, one of the exciting things about starting to breed my own quail is that we might be able to um, have a little renaissance of some of these traits um, and uh, bring back birds that are a little bit more self reliant and able to reproduce, uh, and also maybe work on some other traits um, that might be favourable. Uh, such as even greater resistance to heatwave stress. Um, mm. So it has been a, a great, great thing. My birds seem to sail through heatwaves in Melbourne, but perhaps we can do even better and perhaps we can um, bring out other traits that we'd like to see for urban and suburban growers. Mm. So, so far you've been breeding them with an incubator, have you? I have been, yeah, that's right. And, of course, you want to be selecting um, carefully which male and which female birds are able to breed to make sure that we get stronger healthier birds over time and that means you're going to need to um, exchange males with other people obviously we can't mm. breeding from the same stock and um, quail are quite short-lived animals as well i've um heard some people have had a quail get to four years old that that would be um 
uh, that would be certainly a senior citizen. Many yeah, right. live till about three years old um, from many reports. So if you are going to keep them for eggs, you're going to need to be aware that they'll need to be a, a constant successional cycle in place. Mm. So what advice would you give to someone who's considering maybe getting some quails as opposed to chickens? They're tossing out the two. What would Who would you suggest it would be a good option for? Yeah, so I'll come back again to a couple of things that I just mentioned at the start of the podcast. So uh, thinking about noise and if you're in a context where neighbours are not going to be happy with chickens uh, clucking or let alone crowing, then quails might be great. If you've got a particularly small space that would not be ethical to keep um, chickens in, and uh, if you suspect you might have contaminated soil and you need to be really careful about um, contact with soil for animals that might bioaccumulate it inside their eggs and their bodies, then cows can be kept in a smaller space that you can make sure you've got more control over. Um, and, and again, using deep litter, building up on top of, say, shade cloth that you might have placed on the original soil, that would then provide um, a really safe alternative in terms of um, soil contamination like lead. Mm. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for having a chat to us today and opening up the world of quails to our listeners. Mm, And, um, yeah, I think they sound like a great alternative, especially if you are short on space and living in in a city, Melbourne or Sydney or any small urban area. Thanks for having me, Robin. Okay. Thanks a lot. You have been listening to the Pip Permaculture Magazine podcast. To read Kat's full article and a host of others on keeping backyard poultry, pick up Pip Permaculture Magazine Issue 7, out now. Available from our website at www.pipmagazine.com.au in all good newsagents and selected stockists.